Hello, and welcome to the FWC Podcast. This week's message was given by Kathy Barnett, who is currently running to represent Pennsylvania's 4th District in the U.S. House of Representatives. There's also a quick closing message given by Lead Pastor David Damiani. Thank you. Enjoy. We know there's um, types of people that have political people in church, and then there's types of people that don't. And certain churches allow a lot of stuff to happen, and certain churches don't. Thank God we're a non-denominational church, and we're going to roll. Yeah, amen. And why is she, is she here? Because she's Democrat, uh, Republican, Libertarian, or Constitutionalist. No, she's here because she's born-again, spirit-filled believer, running for office. Amen? So please give a rousing round of applause for Kathy Barnett. warfare going on all around us and our enemy he, he roams to and fro looking for someone to devour you know he doesn't know the mind of God but he can see the activities of God and he can send his little demons like okay I don't know exactly what God is up to but I see a concentration of things in the heavenlies. You guys read Daniel's chapter 9, right? You can see a concentration of things. I'm going to send some enemies over here. Oh, thank you so much. You're so kind. Thank you. Oh, yes. I walk and talk and cry and laugh all at the same time. <laughs> I remember having my children and um, a pastor friend of mine said, you're going to have to learn how to walk and talk to the Lord. You know, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 19, and oh, the joy of spending hours. It seemed like I had unlimited hours to just spend and, and talk and read the word and fellowship. You have children, you get married, you have children, you're working. You learn the art of walking and talking, of driving and talking to the Lord, right? Of cooking and talking, folding clothes and talking, right? To the Lord, it becomes a part of your life. Well, let me just say, I, you know, a lot of people talk about things in theory, like God is good in theory, like God is good, like God is sovereign in theory. I have tasted and I seen that our God is good. Our God does not sit and wait and wonder, how is all of this going to work out? He's not somewhere biting his nails, trying to figure out his next move. I had my last really good pity party years ago. I mean, it was really good. Um, I mastered it. <laughs> it was like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. You know, I could be doing this for you, and I could be doing that, right? But I got these people in the way, right? Oh, Lord, when, right? And I, heard, and I was in the midst of one of my finest pity parties, and I heard him say so clearly, do you really believe 
that I am who I say that I am. And of course, I, I'm driving, talking, having a pity party, crying, following all the rules of the road, but I'm in the midst of the best pity party in my life, and I hear him so clearly say, do you really believe who I am, that I am who I say that I am? And I just paused, looked around because it was so audible. It felt so like someone was in the car with me. And then I could hear this lingering voice within my spirit that says, if you really believe that I am who I say that I am, the way that you walk, the way that you talk, the way that you behave would be radically modified. If we really believe that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. In Revelation chapter, that, let me introduce myself to you. I am the who was, the who is, and the who is to come. <laughs> Meaning everything that happens, happens within the confines of me. Paul called him the yes and the amen. Right? If we really believe that he is, he says, some amazing things about who he is, right? And if we really believe just a half, a third of the things that he says that he is, the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we think, the way that we behave, will be radically modified. It doesn't mean we'll be perfect, but it means that at the moment of your deepest despair, something within you, would say, wait a minute, either he is who he says he is, or he's not. I believe he is. I believe he is exactly who he says he is. And I am so determined to walk that out. I am so determined to put him, to put him, to put him on the ropes. What you gonna do, God? I'm going to step out and believe and trust, and I'm going to see what you do. Because either he is who he says he is, or I need to start figuring out what my plan B is. I said, you know, when, when I heard God call me, I was 18 years old, 19 years old, and I remember saying to him, if I am going to be like every other Christian I've ever seen growing up, leave me alone. But I said, if you are truly able to save me, I didn't know much about him, but I said, if you are truly able, then I want it. And he has saved me. He's such a good God. He has taken the weak things, the unintelligible things, and he uses those things. <laughs> to confound the wise, for God to use someone like me. <laughs> he is a good God. I often say, but no one really knows what I'm thinking when I say it, but you guys will figure it out of what I'm thinking when I say it. I am a little black girl who grew up on a pig farm in Southern Alabama. I grew up below the bottom rung of the economic ladder. I grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side. I am of nothing of significance by man's standard. <laughs> and yet our God. <laughs> I am a byproduct of rape. <laughs> My mother was 11 years old. <laughs> I am of no real significance by man's standard, <laughs> but our God. Before the foundation of the world, he said, I saw you. <laughs> I called you. I predestined you. I sanctified you. I'm going to put you over here as mine. <laughs> That's our God. That's our God. <laughs> and for such a time as this, 
every single thing. I tell people all the time, again, they don't, under, they don't really understand what I mean. They just, you know, people are so used to folks just saying stuff. <laughs> but I'm very thoughtful and deliberate about what I say, but I am made for such a time as this. I am made for the culture in which we find ourselves in. You don't get from a pig farm to now running for Congress because you care what people think about you. <laughs> I already know what most people think about me. They've told me along my journey. <laughs> And yet I have learned by the grace of God, I tell my children all the time, we live before an audience of one. <laughs> and if he is proud of us, then that's all that matters. I've never lived my life to appease man, to make people comfortable. <laughs> I'm the kind of person God sends in when he wants the front door kicked down. <laughs> That's how he's wired me <laughs> before the foundation of the world. He knew this moment would be here. And he said, I need that kind of individual. <laughs> and when he was weaving me together in my very young and tender mom body, he was weaving into me the very things that I would need today, but not just me, you as well. We are not here solely to take up space. We are not here solely to convert carbon dioxide into oxygen, or oxygen into carbon dioxide. We are here for a greater purpose. For a very long time, I can't even remember how young I was, was I so very mindful of purpose. When I look at the how I was conceived and where I came from on a little pig farm. I mean, I remember my grandmother asking me to help her in the garden, and I can remember thinking, she just wants to spend time with me. And it wasn't until I grew up that I realized that in large part it was for our survival, that if we wanted beans and greens and peas and <laughs> collard greens, we had to go and grow that ourselves, right? I know what it means to work hard. I know what it means to stand up against all the odds. <laughs> no one came searching for me to run for this office, and yet here I am. We just got our latest poll. My opponent is at 50%, and I am at 49.963%. <laughs> but we were not given a snowball chance in Hades of getting remotely close, of this at all being a race. The establishment has not helped us at all. A little bit trickling in here and there. People are now calling us and want to be a part of our team, right? Because we have done what they said would not be done. At the end of this, at the end of this month for the past, for our quarter, our quarter, we're ending the month with close to $600,000. None of that coming from the establishment. My average donation is $58, our God. My opponent um, received 194 different packs, has given her about $500,000. So what she gets by selling her soul to a whole lot of different groups, we just simply trusted God. That if he truly wanted me to do this, I knew from the very beginning that he would have to have a plan. It was so interesting, the number of people who said at the very beginning, oh, you just write a check to the campaign for like $200,000. I'm like, what? <laughs> I am from a pig farm. <laughs> there is no one in my circle I can call and say, can you write a $2,000 check? <laughs> Maybe 20. And that hasn't quite happened either, <laughs> right? And I knew from the very beginning that I would walk into this not being able to offer a whole lot in terms of monetary. But I trusted and believed, because you know, I mean listen, I know we don't like to talk about money, but this is all about money. I didn't, I didn't create the rules, it just is what it is. But God knows that. He already knew that. 
And I believe that he will bring the right people alongside at just the right time. And he has been faithful. I have no network of significance, but my God. He owns a thousand, what is it? A thousand cattle on a, on a thousand hills. So I knew he had this. Either he is who he says he is, or we need to go figure out what, what we need to do next. But I believe that he is who he said he is. I remember in the middle of the quarantine, thinking to myself, you know, Lord, I mean, when we come out of this, we're going to need a building. Don't really know, you know, I don't need to wait until after to start trying to find a building. And guess what our God did? Two days later, someone calls and says, you know, I have a building. <laughs> I say, God, you know, um, I'm thinking we need, um, you know, someone who's really good in IT. Less than a week later, I meet one of the first 200 people who started at Google and who is still working at Google. And I can give you example after example. He lays something on my heart as a thought. I talk it back to him, and he provides. Because either he is who he says he is, or he's not. He doesn't leave much room for gray area. Hence the reason why the one church in the book of Revelation that disgusted him the most was the one who sat on a fence. They weren't hot or cold. They just taken up space. That is the church he says, you make me sick to my stomach. You disgust me. There is no room anymore. Sometimes I travel this, I mean, I've been all over this district. I talk to all kinds of people. And I am still amazed that there are so many people who are clueless about what is going on today. Who are still sitting back real relaxed. Who are just so much apathy. And I've seen it the most in the church. So much apathy. Oh, God, you know, oh, I pray about it. You know, I've started telling people, that's okay. I don't need your prayers. <laughs> that's okay. If you're not willing to work, if you're not willing to open up your wallet and contribute, if you're not willing to do some phone banking, if you're not willing to volunteer when I say come and knock on some doors with me, if you are not willing to go to my campaign offices, we have three now, we went from zero to three now. <laughs> if you're not willing to go and help us uh, put our signs together in one of our Harleysville office, we now have prayer, um, a prayer room, a war room that goes on every Tuesday, is it? If you're not, if Wednesday, if you're not willing to come and get involved, because what did James say? Say it again, Pastor. Yes. He said, oh, you got faith? Okay, I'll show you my faith by what I what? Do, right? Faith is a verb. It is not sit down and just come to church. This isn't what, this isn't what Jesus had in mind. <laughs> I am the church. You are the church. When I walk outside, I remember, you know, when I gave my life to the Lord, like most people, I said, okay, you know, um, and we moved, you know, now I have my, I'm, I just had my daughter, I have a son and a daughter, and I just had my daughter, she's my baby girl, and we um, went to this church, I wanted to get involved, they didn't like me very much, and for the first time in my life, I had church, uh, you know, I was, I, I stayed at the church for, I don't know, six years. But for the first time in my life, there was a church, you know, I want to volunteer, I have all these skill sets, I can help. And they said, no, thank you. Never been in a church that actually turned away free help. <laughs> right? Like, have you ever known that? Like, churches, I mean, what, the harvest is plentiful, right? <laughs> the workers are few, right? 
but you know, but they have their own issues. God, God bless them. And so again, this is right before I had my last pity party. I was having another pity party about God. You know, I want to work because in my mind, being a Christian was you join a church and then you join a ministry and then you do God's work, right? And most churches I've ever been a part of, they have unlimited number of ministries, backpack ministry, um, praise dance ministry, they have uh, prison ministry, just a plethora of ministries, right? And as I was complaining to God that these people would not allow me to get in ministry, once again, I heard him say, your ministry is outside of the four walls of a church. Over the course of time, God has borne that to be so true. Because although I started off with extremely humble beginnings, I was loved. And no one ever told me I was a victim. And because no one ever told me, don't even work, don't even try, just sit down. All the odds are against you, Kathy. I became the first in my family to go and finish college. I spent 10 years in the U.S. Army Reserves. I was accepted into Officer Candidacy School. I worked in the Wall Street environment, corporate finance, adjunct professor of corporate finance. I speak to millions of people on a daily basis, primarily Fox. I would go up there maybe about two to three times a week in New York. Um, authored my first book, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, Being Black and Conservative in America. That went number one, by the way. Yes, our God <laughs> has a plan. <laughs> and now I'm running for Congress, right? My ministry has truly been outside of what we typically think is the church. I am the church. You are the church. There is a reason why you're here, young and more mature in age. Figure it out. Figure out why you're here and then get busy. I, I went to Israel last year, and um, I had just gotten the contract for my book deal. And I went to Israel, and I remember leaving Israel saying, here am I, Lord, use me. And from that point until about the mid of November, I felt this growing sense that God had something else for me to do. Have y'all felt that way? You feel like there's something else, but you can't quite grasp it. You know there's something. I thought it was just finishing my book. I'd even told my children and my husband that, okay, mommy's done. I won't do anything else after this. Because writing a book is like giving birth to another child. I mean, it is, oh my goodness. I, I, of course, I say I would never write another book, but don't we say that after having our first child? <laughs> you forget the pain you went through of, of birthing that, right? And so who knows what God has in store for me. But, but even as I submitted my book to my editor, I remember thinking, I feel like there's something else. And I kept hearing God say, access. What we lack on our side of the aisle is access. And I just started praying that back to him. Give, if anyone should be doing what I'm doing, it should be us, as the pastor said. But do you, can I, would you believe me if I said when I told my church and other people, other Christians, I was running for office, it was like, oh no, really, why? It's, politics is what? Dirty. Why would you want to get involved in that? Very few people said, exactly. That's exactly what you should be doing. Most people in the church said, oh, if there's snakes and it's dirty, don't do it. What do you think God has us here for? What do you think we're here for? To live our best lives? What is our ultimate purpose? Thank you. How can you glorify God if your life is in bubble wrap? How can you glorify God if your life is in 
crap. Is that glorifying God? Look how safe and secure my life is. I only hang around my friends. I only go to church with my friends. I work with my friends. I carpool with my little clique of friends. Only my friends come to the house and we have conversations and Bible studies. Do you really think that's what your life, that that's why God has done all that he's done? There was a pastor at the breakfast who asked me the question. I won't talk about the topic, but he was, you know, but it's one of those hot potato topics in our culture. And he said, well, why don't you, well, what are you going to do when you get to office? I'm like, well, what are you doing in your pews? (laughs) Did I not? We should be leading our culture in these conversations. And instead, we stick our head in the sand, pretend we're praying, pretend we're like laying it out before the Lord, and waiting for someone else to fix our problems in this culture. Look at these people. I mean, they are despicable. And yet so many in the church are like, well, you know, God is tolerance. God is love. God's love. But you know what he's more of? Holy. No one said love, love, love three times. He's holy. And his holiness demands perfection. His holiness, in fact, are the, is, the, is the parameter for all of his other attributes. He can only be so loving up to his holiness. He can only be so kind up to his holiness. His holiness serves as a fence of everything. You know, people say you live like hell, but then when you get to heaven, you'll be able to negotiate and God is love, so he'll give you a pass. No, it doesn't work that way. Everything about God operates within the confines of his holiness. Everything. Why are you here? If he removed you today, would anyone really notice the ripple that we're creating that cut out. Let me say it again. If God removed you today, would anyone notice the ripple that your life is no longer creating? Think about that. What have you been doing? What can you do more of? Ask God. I'm not asking you to go out here. I learned very early on because I'm an A-type personality. God shows me something, I'm like, yeah, I got it. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be back. (laughs) I got this, Lord. I got it. (laughs) That's how, and I always tell him, it's your fault. You created me like this. (laughs) But God has created us, and guess what our responsibility is? Is to keep giving our over to him. God created me to be the kind, I cannot stand injustice. I will run through that bull, I will run through that wall. He created me like that. But what is my job? Because, but that kind of personality will burn out quick, right? Because you're mad about everything. <laughs> you're ready to fight on every, I'm ready to die on almost every hill, right? <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta be, you gotta learn how to pick and choose the mountains you willing to die on. Can't die on everything, right? You gotta be strategic, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove, right? That kind of balance is created when you begin to just surrender. God, yes, you did wire this extra in me. I got a lot of extras. (laughs) You wired me this way for a purpose, and I'm gonna surrender it back to you, right? So begin to ask him, why am I here? What do you want me to do? Because if there was ever a time for those who know truth to begin to stand up and speak truth, what you waiting on? It ain't going to be a better time. You know, I tell people all the time, if you can't do the easy things now, what you going to do when they really come for you? 
bad boy, bad boy, right? That's all. <laughs> but really, I mean, like, what are you gonna do? If you can't stand up and vote now, how are you gonna stand up when the beast comes and says, take this mark? Right? This is the easy stuff right here. <laughs> if you can't be like, whatever, I'm going to church, I'm a saint. <laughs> And I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna open up my business, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna, if you can't do that, what you gonna do? When they really come looking for you, ready to chop your head off, ready to take your children away. This is the easy stuff right here, but it's coming. It's coming. I've been endorsed by new groups, four. They're coming up. They can't endorse me fast enough, and they're sending checks. <laughs> and they're flying their people in to help me. Yeah, now where are the Christians? Praying. Oh, I pray for you. That's okay. I can pray for myself. <laughs> Jesus and I are like this, right? We have an understanding. I don't really need you to pray for me if you're not willing to put something behind that. Chinese people. They, I just met them um, last Saturday, I think. I mean, I, I literally have no idea what day it is sometimes. But I think it was last Saturday. Uh, they introduced themselves to me for the first time as a whole group of them. They are not Christians. Um, but they've knocked on over 2,000 doors for me in King of Prussia. They, they've never been involved in politics ever, but they're all, they, they introduced themselves as legal immigrants. And they uh, fled from, yeah, I have one back there, yeah, yes, <laughs> but you're a Christian, so how awesome is that? But they said they uh, came here with $46, I don't know what it is about $46, but they all said they have $46 in their pocket. <laughs> I'm sorry? Yes, and, and that's what they were saying, I don't know what $46, but they said $46 in their pocket. And um, one was saying his second daughter is now graduating from Temple with, um, as, uh, I don't know, PhD, right? And so they said they've never gotten involved in politics before, but they said they're looking at what's happening. And they said they have no place else to go. They fled China because of communism and because they wanted something better. And now they're here. They just knocked on 2,000 doors for me. I've never met them before up to that point. But they said, Americans have no idea what they're about to lose. And they said it happens overnight. It's, look at what we just went through with COVID. How quickly did it happen? Can't go to church, can't sing. And if you try to just, you know, like there was churches who said, we will just do a drive-in. They said, uh-uh, we're gonna send the health department, we're gonna write down everyone's license plate. They were serious. And guess what we did? Oh, well, these bad people. We just won't do it, I guess, right? 777 Apple Tree. Y'all know about that place? Downtown Philly? right behind the African American History Museum is one of our area's largest abortion centers. They don't do anything other than abortion. They don't do mammogram, pap smears, wellness. They don't pretend to do anything other than abortion. While you were forced not to work because you're not essential, they stayed open the entire time. Big box stores were able to stay open, but mom and pops close and lose it all. This is my reality now as I travel throughout this district and I'm talking to people. So while some are living in their little bubble wrap, you have others who are losing everything. Losing it all, devastated, feeling hopeless. And then I get Christians saying, I pray for you, good luck. No, good luck to you. Because if I lose, you lose. These people are not playing with us. 
I am your best chance at ever getting anyone in office who will actually listen to you, who will actually work for you. I love my nation. I grew up in the very deep South. My great-great-great-grandma Rhoda was a slave. She was born in 1846. I have the blood of slaves coursing through my veins. And yet I still stand here today and say, my country is not systemically racist. My country has done a tremendous amount to right her wrongs. Don't get me wrong, racism exists and it is ugly. And when I run into it, it is ugly. I mean, my, it, 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 it causes an entire body experience for me. It is ugly when you run into it. And I've ran into it here. But my nation has done a tremendous amount to right its wrongs. And yet people are using the color of my skin to justify destroying our nation. We have no place else to go when this little experiment of a republic is decimated. We have created, we have created a vacuum in our nation. And that vacuum has been filled by some of the most despot, immoral, lovers of self kind of people you will ever imagine. I'm now forced to hang around some of them. It is despicable. We can do better. For such a time as this, I am standing right here. I am exactly where I was meant to be. I cannot do this without you. God will make a way, but you don't really want God to remove you to make a way, right? <laughs> I think about that for my own self. I don't want to be a stumbling block that God has to deal with. I mean, like, that's a hard thing, right? Longer than 20 minutes, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not a pastor, but I could be one. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to be. I don't. I don't. I remember graduating from college, um, and all my girlfriends, my Christian girlfriends, were like, Lord, just send me a husband. Anyone would do, Lord. You pick. I was like, no. <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> there are some do's and don'ts, Lord. <laughs> I mean, since we're talking, right? Since, since this is maybe a negotiation, right? Yes, Lord. I was like, and I don't want a pastor. I'm sorry, pastor. <laughs> I do not want to have to listen to people's problems over and over. <laughs> I know it's so, so mean, but it's true. It's like, it's like an extra sense of grace for you guys. It's like, I'm just not wired that way. You got to know yourself. <laughs> you have to know yourself and you got to stay in your lane. I'm not built to listen to the exact same problem over and over again. Maybe the first time, but after that, I'm like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> So therefore, I am not married to a pastor. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love God's children, right? I'm the kind of person God sends in when people need to wake up, when people need to wake up. I love you. You would never find someone who have a greater love for this nation or for their God or for his people. I love you guys. And I want, we can do better. These people are not playing. If you knew what I knew about the plans they have for us, it is serious. It is serious, and it will come like that. It won't take long. It's already set up. They just need to remove the head and to keep a hold on the Congress, on the House, and they will get what they want. You understand what I'm saying? It will happen like that. No need to pray then. <laughs> it's a different set of prayers we'll be having then. Come, Lord Jesus, come, <laughs> right? Let's get this, let's just move on to the next phase of things. Thank you so much, Pastor, for the opportunity to speak. Thank you so much for being so gracious. Uh, you can always, I don't know if it's, I don't really know what the protocol is, but there's a way to find out who I am. Just Google my name and it'll take you to where you need to be and get involved um, quickly. We only have 36 more days now.
get involved quickly. Blessings. Hallelujah. Thank you. The Lord, I'll share one thought. The Lord, um, Wednesday night, was speaking to us. He was speaking to our hearts. And it goes right along with the song that we were just singing. Um, I was just driving, driving, talk and listen, and do laundry and talk and listen. Well, every time I'm doing laundry, I'm talking. Well, <laughs> Hallelujah. My wife does my laundry for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Heather. She's the best. But I was driving, and, you know, you're involved in ministry, and you have a title, they call you a pastor, and you know, you meet people, what do you do for a living? That's one of the, like, protocol in America. What do you do for a living? I'm driving and this thought just dropped in my heart that, uh, what do you do for a living? I run an adoption agency. Yeah. Dropped in my heart. I run an adoption agency. Imagine that, you know, you meet somebody, hey, what do you do for a living? I run an adoption agency. What does that mean? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God, and such we are. How do you become bold? What's the missing? There's maybe a handful of missing elements. What's a missing element? For us to walk in confidence and boldness in this day to be like Kathy. She said, you know, she's glad she wasn't called to be a pastor. And I'm glad I wasn't called to politics. <laughs> I, I don't have thick enough skin for it yet. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you can take the hatred. But she, when she spoke to the pastor, she said she was knocking doors in Ambler. And a, and a lady just rattled the, the walls, knocked things down off the walls, slamming a door in her face. Just slammed it as hard as she could. And Kathy said, honey, <laughs> you wasted your energy trying to make me feel bad. Slamming a door in my face. I don't care. You know, I'm not built like that totally. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I used to sell vacuum cleaners, so I guess I have a little bit in me selling vacuum cleaners door to door but to take that rejection and and how can we walk in boldness i'm telling you see how great a love the father has bestowed on us that we are his children when we know he's our father when when you know my life here 36 years of of this being at this church you know people would say Oh, JR's church, you know, over on Charleston Road. Who are you? <laughs> JR's son, you know, I'm JR's son. Oh, you're his son. I didn't, are you the one, the little guy, whatever? No, that's Jonathan. I'm the other one. Um, are you the cute one? No, that's Jonathan. I'm the other one. Amen? But, you know, I, it got me a cup of coffee once in a while or something, you know, but I'm JR's son, but... But who am I? I'm the son of God. The. That's what I shared on Wednesday night. What? That's the Messiah. I know. I've been in church my whole life. I know when you hear things a certain way, you go on autopilot. When we say, I'm a son of God, in our mind, we think of billions of people that have been a son or daughter of God th throughout history. There's, you know, I'm one of a billion when we say I'm a son of God, or you could say daughter of God. By the way, there's sons and daughters. There's two of them, you know, there's a son and a daughter. But anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> I'm a one of billions. I'm the son of God. I'm the, I'm the son of J.R. Damiani. I, I know, I'm not trying to say I'm the Messiah. I get that. But just to think of it in a different way, that God is my father. And I've been trying this week since Wednesday to just kind of put my shoulders back a little more and stand a little taller and say, God's my father. What do I have to fear? What do I have to fear? 
He adopted me. And now I'm called to run an adoption agency. And he wants more children. He wants more children. He, he's, he's never satisfied with how many he has. He wants more. And this morning, maybe you're sitting here, I don't know. I, I like so much of what she said. You can see why I wanted her to come speak, right? Yeah. Amen. Awesome. But I like what she said about bubble wrap. You know, are you bubble wrapped with your friends and your, and your girlfriends having a Bible study in your safe house and et cetera? And, and boy, for such a time as this, yeah, you know, who's sitting here? Maybe, maybe every one of us is a Christian. And if that's true, we're not doing quite what we need to do. We gotta be reaching out. We gotta reach out to the lost. What is this? What does the saying say? Reach the lost at any cost. We gotta reach the lost. But when we're safe in our bubble wrap, doing our Christian thing with our Christian clothes and our Christian words and a Christian expression on our face, <laughs> um, <laughs> we gotta be in the we gotta be in the adoption business. And the Lord wants to use you in that way. But what I want to share, just a thought. Um, if you bow your heads with me and close your eyes, I'm going to ask you, first of all, in this room, are you sitting here and you heard what you heard today? And you say... Whatever happened in this building today, I'm not sure if God is my father, for sure. I know he's God. I know he's the all-powerful one. I know there's, I believe there's a God, but I don't know if that God is my father. I don't know if I'm adopted. I don't know if I ever led him Take me out of that place I was living. Rejection. Fear. Orphan spirit. I feel like an orphan. If you feel like an orphan today, and you're saying, I want to be confident and I want to be bold and I want to make a stand, but I'm, I'm an orphan. I'm all alone. Nobody has my back. You need to be adopted. Is there anybody in the building that would raise their hand and say, yeah, I need to be adopted. I need to know God's my father. Anyone, raise your hand. Question one. I kind of figured that because we're bubble wrapped <laughs> a little much, especially now. COVID, we're like bubble wrapped all the more. We're, you know, face mask, bubble wrapped, shielded, six feet away from everybody. That was question one. Question two. If you heard this challenge, and if you believe that the Lord wants to place people in positions of influence in society, whatever it may be, business, education, the arts, politics, if the Lord wants to, if you believe the Lord wants to use you in those places, but you've been timid. And I'll throw this out there. You're afraid if you speak up what the consequences might be. I might lose my job. I might lose this or I'll lose my friends or whatever. Um, you're afraid of the consequences. 
of speaking up or I don't want to be attacked. I don't want, I don't want to be yelled at. I don't want door slam in my face, whatever. And I think all of us could say, you know, it's in our minds. But if you say, Lord, empower me with your Holy Spirit, empower me, give me revelation that you're my Father. And not only does the Godhead have my back, they have legions of angels dispatched to make sure our foot doesn't strike stone. We're protected. He wants us to step out and be bold. The righteous are bold as lions. He wants us to step out and be bold. He wants us to speak up. He will open doors for you. I, I promise you, he will open doors. You're afraid of the little corner of the world you've carved out for yourself. You step out for him, he'll give you a hundred times that. He will open doors for you. He will give you favor. So if you're here and you say, I heard this message today and I'm going to toss up, toss up my hand here and say, Yes, Lord, I want to I take steps of boldness. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want this fear or I want this hesitation gone. Raise your hand. Thank you. 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 Hallelujah. Father, Father, see these hands. Good Father. Holy Father. See these hands, Lord. They're serious they're serious and real that yeah it's fear but Holy Spirit empower us today empower us give us a hope let us see a glimpse of open doors let us see a glimpse of your favor let us see a glimpse of miraculous things you have for us in store for us exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think you will open doors you'll give us abundance if we use what you've given us if we use the talent the resource the money the words you'll give us 30 60 100 fold return if we hide that talent You'll say, you wicked, lazy servant. Scripture says it. Lord, help us be bold. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the FWC Podcast. For more information on our church, you can visit our website, at familyworshipcenter.org or visit our church in person at 1000 Troxel Road in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Thank you. Have a great day.